0: Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the church or you want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at thechurchrc.com. Or we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app. Available for free anywhere you download apps. Now, here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. Can we give it up for every mother today on Mother's Day? Moms, you are so loved, and even to the moms that maybe your your kids weren't on the video just now, I can tell you that if we recorded your children, they would have the same things to say about you. You're so loved. May you feel so celebrated today, and uh, call your mama for all you out here, all the men in the place. It's not too late. Call your mama. Brian actually always beats me on calling my mother and his mother, so I just let him be the voice for us now. No. Uh, we're so glad that you are here on Mother. Uh, So thankful that you would come and celebrate with us. Wanted to let you know about a few things that are going on here at the church. Um, Before I get started into my message, the first thing I want to let you know about is we have child dedication coming up on May 27th. And what is child dedication? This is what it is. It is just committing to raise your child in the house of God and in the things of God. It's declaring before God and his people that we're going to do our best uh, to raise God. Uh, raise our kids in a godly way, and the great thing is, is when you do it like this, it's not just you saying, I have to do it, but it's something about putting your child in front of the people of God, saying, together, we're going to do this, and I don't have to figure it all out, and know it all, or have all the answers, I'm going to be connected to a church body that's going to help me raise this kid, because come on, how many of y'all know you need some help raising your kids? And so, we'd love for you, if you haven't already signed up, take a moment, sign up through our Church RC app for child dedication. And then also want to let you know that after service, we have a gift for you guys and a photo op. And so if you want to take a picture with your kids, I would love for you to do that. And so this little book right here, Praying Circles Around Your Children is amazing. You know, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes when I pick up the Bible, it seems kind of intimidating, right? I mean, this is a lot of scriptures in here, right? And sometimes you feel like you need a degree to know what am I supposed to pray for my finances? What am I supposed to pray over my kids? Does anybody else feel like that? Like it feels kind of complicated. What I love about this book is it breaks it down simple. It's like the cheat codes for the Bible for your kids. And so we've got this for every mom, whether you um, have a brand new baby or maybe your kids are grown, I think you will get something out of this book. I absolutely love it. It's in our photo area, which is located right down the hallway. There'll be a sign for you uh, through a door on the right. And then for all the women who are believing God to have a baby. Um, I have copies of this book, Supernatural Childbirth. And um, for those of you that don't know, Brian and I, we, before we had Braley, uh, we had tried for a long time. I got pregnant and we found out that I was pregnant actually on Father's Day. And uh, right before Father's Day, we told, I told Brian, told my parents, told his parents, we were so excited. And then just a few weeks later, um, we miscarried the baby. And that was a really hard time for me. And what was interesting is the the weekend after I miscarried, a lady walked up to me and gave me this book. And she goes, I know you're pregnant. I think this will encourage you. Well, I just broke down crying because she didn't know that I had miscarried. There wasn't Facebook back then, I know. Dark ages, (laughs) y'all. So you couldn't let people know the point of your pain and i i just broke down crying well i went home and opened it up And guys, it brought me so much encouragement because it's full of story after story of people miraculously getting pregnant. It's full of scriptures on how to stand on the word of God. Now, how crazy is this? Fast forward uh, 12 years later, and I'm sitting across the table from Jessica Shook. Did you see Isaiah up here playing the keys? And Jessica Shook, I saw this book on her shelf and I said, oh, I love that book. And she said, funny story, my birth story is in that book. And I flip it open. Sure enough, there's a picture of Jessica shook as a baby in here. Isn't it cool how God connects your path? Isn't he good? And so I was like, I've already read about you before I even knew you. Like you've been inspiring me for years. So we have this book as a free gift. It's in the photo area. If you're believing God for a baby, will you stop by, pick up this book? I I believe it'll encourage you. And I'm just believing and declaring that this time next year, you're going to be holding a baby. I'm just bold enough to declare that this time next year, you're going to have the fulfillment of God's promise. Come on. On. Can somebody praise him like you mean it? Can somebody praise him like he can do a miracle? Come on. You're not walking through this by yourself. you got a church body who's standing with you and believing with you. So real quick, before we get into the word, I want to pray for every mom who's believing for a baby. God, we just thank you right now. Lord, this is one of the hardest days for women who are praying for a baby. And so God, I just ask right now that you encourage them, that you strengthen them, that God, you are the God who fulfills your promises, that Lord, you will not let them down. You will not disappoint them. So Father God, we thank you that in your word, it says that we can uh, get pregnant easily. And so Father, I just command that over their body. And Lord, I declare that this time next year, they won't just have a promise in their heart. They'll have a promise in their arms in Jesus name. And everybody believe this said amen amen isn't God good well I'm excited to bring this word to you I feel like it's going to be a good word are you ready to lean in amen a heart that's leaned in is is fully present in the moment they're believing expecting for God to do something big we're going to be in Joshua and we're going to be hopping all around so just kind of hang with me if you're in your Bible just have your finger in lots of places we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 verses one through four and it says, Joshua rose early. Somebody say early, early. say it like you mean it, say early. early in the morning and they removed from Shittim. Come on, do you ever feel like you're dwelling in a place called Shittim? We're about to see God's about to deliver them out of Shittim. Anybody need to be delivered out of Shittim? Amen. And came to the Jordan, he and all the Israelites and lodged there before passing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp commanding the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being borne by the Levitical priests, set out from where you are and follow it. Yet a space may be kept between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, come not near it, that you may be able to see the ark and know the way you must go. For you have not passed this way before. Let's skip over, we're going to fast forward to Joshua 3 8 and verse 17. And it says, "And you shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan." Somebody say, "Stand still." still. Verse seventeen and says, "And while all the Israel passed over on dry ground, the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm." Somebody say, "Stood firm." on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. And then we're gonna flip over to Joshua chapter four and we're only gonna read verse eight. And it says, And the Israelites did as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the Israelites as the Lord told Joshua and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Last scripture, Numbers 32 verse 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazeer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock. Can we pray together? Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, we declare in this place that every heart is softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, every ear is open and receptive. God, we declare in this house that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said, amen. You know, recently I, I have to go to the bathroom a lot. I don't know about you guys, but I go to the bathroom all the time. It's funny because I have friends who can go all day without using the restroom. And so it's really challenging when we go shopping because I'm high. I have a heightened awareness of how much I use the restroom. Well, the other day I was walking into Costco and I'm on a mission. How many of you guys ever know like Costco, you're on a mission to buy everything that's not on your list, right? Um, I think Costco charges you $200 for just walking in the door. Side note, I think that's the minimum amount. You can't get out for less than that. Anyway, so I walk in and I have this mission. I've got all these things that I need, but I need to go to the bathroom. And there's always kind of a war. Like, do I just go ahead and push through, get everything I need and then go to the bathroom? Or do I go to the bathroom first and then push through? But knowing Costco, I know that it's going to be a long time before I'm back at the front. So I'm like, I'm going to go ahead. So I'm running. Well, there's these carts like there and it's like these obstacles in front of the restroom, like these loading carts that were loading and all all kinds of new freight, new merchandise. And so I run in and I'm like, whew, well, I come around the corner and there's a man in the bathroom. And recognizing that we're in 2018, we live in a different time. Men use women's restrooms. This is a part of our life. I look at him and he's completely shocked. And I, I'm like, Hey, this is where I belong. I don't know why you're here, but I'm where I belong, sir. You're not where you belong. Like this is my bathroom technically, but I'll welcome you here in this place. So I'm running to the stall and I go to the bathroom I'm like, whoo. Okay. Well, that was weird. I wonder if the guy's out. Well, I hear somebody else walk in. So I come out of the stall and behold, there's another man. And I'm like, what kind of day is this? And so I'm like walking past him. He's looking at me like I'm weird. And I'm like, again, sir, you must be friends with the other gentleman that was in here before. Not feeling the need to tell him that this was the woman's restroom. I glance over to my right and notice that there's urinals all down the side. Of the wall. I'm like, oh my gosh. I was completely mortified. How did I just go to the bathroom in the men's restroom? They're probably thinking that girl's a pervert. Like, she's in here. Or they think I'm a man dressed like a woman. I don't know. It's 2018. There's a lot of different questions going on in that moment. And so I quickly, I chose to not wash my hands. I repent right now. I'm sorry. I just used my hand sanitizer in my bag. I was like, I got to go. I cannot wash my hands. It's so embarrassing right now. And so I left out of there. And I was thinking about that the other day, about how you can be confident and still be wrong that you can be completely confident, like completely sure like I'm in the right place, I'm doing the right thing and you can still be completely wrong. See not knowing in my confidence I didn't pause to look at the signs and this whole series guardrails has been about us watching for things to keep us out of dangerous areas right? And sometimes in our confidence well I know this, I've done this before, I've gone this way before. I love what this says in Joshua chapter 3. It says the Lord shows up and tells them, you better follow me because the place I'm taking you, you've never been before. And I'm just curious if there's some people here in this place that maybe you're confident and you're cocky and you're looking down at everybody around you, but maybe in your confidence you could still be wrong because maybe you haven't been following where God is going and you've been doing things by routine year after year, week after week, and you think you're in the right but you're just like me in the men's restroom at Costco. You think you've got it all figured out, but somewhere along the way, you started relying on your own knowledge, your own wisdom, your own intelligence, what you know about God, what you've been told about God, what your parents told you about God, what your pastor told you about God. And somewhere along the way, just out of going to the routine of this is how I go to church, the routine of this is how I pray, the routine of this is how I read the Bible, you've walked into an area that you were never supposed to be in, And you're confident, but you're wrong. See, I love this story here in Joshua chapter three because I want you to get this. I'm gonna give you some background. This is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I know I say that about every book of the Bible. But Joshua makes the top 10. Keeping in mind, there are 66 books of the Bible, okay? But if you look at my Joshua, I mean like, it's marked up, it's my favorite, I love Joshua. And so what I want you to get here is that the children of Israel had come out of 430 years of bondage. And somebody say, that's a long time. That's a long time, okay? There's a guy named Moses, God shows up and speaks to him and says, hey, you're gonna let my people go. Anybody ever seen the movie, Charleston Heston? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Okay. Too old. All right. And so here Moses is, he gets a word from God that he's going to free the people from 430 years of bondage. So all of a sudden God does so many miracles, so many amazing things, parts a sea. I mean, the Bible tells us Shane, the minute they put the sole of their foot into the water, the water instantaneously parts. They get fed from manna down through the sky. Like God does amazing things. Water comes out of a rock. They see all these things. But here's the thing is that when you, read deuteronomy chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 it tells us that that was only supposed to be 11 day journey From the time they got delivered from 430 years of bondage to now an 11 day journey, they were supposed to go into the promised land. But somewhere along the way, God wanted an 11 day journey to get Egypt out of them. But somewhere along the way, they were unwilling to let go of the things that they knew. They were unwilling to let go of the way they've been told. And so it took them 40 years of walking in the wilderness it took them forty years until they came into the promise, and I wonder how many Christians in this place God saved you, and you think, okay, well that's it. But here you are; you've been going on a forty-year journey, what should only take you eleven days. And here's the thing: we've been in this guardrail series, and although it's been wonderful, although it's been amazing, I'll just say this: the whole series one purpose is this: is to get Egypt out of you. Because here's the thing: is that God delivered them out of Egypt, but but Egypt was still in them and it was only supposed to take 11 days, but instead it took 40 years for them to get fully set free. And I wonder how many of you are walking through the same thing of greed, the same thing of offense, the same thing of lust, the same thing of come on competition, insecurity, and you're walking around and you're going, why isn't God bringing us into the promised land? And he's saying, because you can't go there with all of this hanging on on the inside of you. And there comes a point, let me just tell you, dear ones, that you can live completely saved, but never see all that God has for you. You can go to heaven and experience all of that, but live hell on earth. And let me just tell you, I wanna tell you that God has so much more for you than that. So much more than this is the way we go to church. This is the way you read your Bible. I wanna see everything that God has for me. Come on, somebody. And here they are, they're about to go in and see it all. But Numbers 32, put that back up there real quick. 32 verse one, it says, now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw that the land of Jezreel and the land of Gilead, that indeed was a region and a place for livestock, in other words, God, I don't wanna go there if I have to leave anything behind. I want God's promises. I just don't wanna give anything I have. I want, I want God's forgiveness, but I don't wanna give any forgiveness. Come on, I'm gonna mess with you. See, when they saw that they could keep what they had, they decided to say. And out of the 12 tribes, only 10 went in. Two and a half stayed behind because they were unwilling to pay the price. See, here when Joshua begins in, in chapter three and verse four, he lets them know you better follow the presence of God. That's the first thing I wanna let you know is that we are gonna be a people that follow hard after the presence of God. Why? Because he's always taking us places that we've never been before. He's always taken us down new rivers, new paths, new roads. He's constantly doing a new thing in our life. And I'll just challenge you that some of you haven't used your faith muscle in a long time because you're just keeping in this safe place. See, Reuben and Gad's tribe, they were like, we're fine to be here in a place where all of our bills are paid. We don't have to believe God for anything. Let me just tell you that when God gets ready to do something, he's gonna mess all in your stuff. He cares nothing about your comfort. He cares nothing about your comfort. I was listening recently to an interview and it was with a man who's fought in several battles and overseas and has given so much for our country, has seen God uh so many amazing things fighting for the USA and I was listening to this interview and it just like stuck with me and the interview asked him this question, he said, What is going through your mind when you're on the front line in battle? And I'm thinking, that is a great question. Cause how many of y'all would want to know? Like, what are you thinking when any moment your life could be lost? Like any moment, this could be your last day here, living, breathing, you're about to give everything for your country. And he said this, these are the two things you're thinking. Number one, I'm listening to the voice of my general telling me what the next move is. And he said, number two, I'm asking myself, do I have the weapons I need to, to fight today's battle? Do I have the weapons I need? And I began to think about that as the whole thing went forth. And the guy asked him the next question. He said, do you think that's the whole thought process of everybody who's in the fight? Do you think everybody's listening to the general? Do you think everybody's thinking, do I have the weapons I need to fight this fight? He said, no, the closer you get towards the back, the only question they're asking is what's for lunch? What's for dinner? It's amazing how safety made them not be engaged with the general's voice and not engaged if they were fully equipped. Let me tell you something, as a Christian, your main job is to be listening to God's voice and to be asking yourself, do I have all the weapons I need to fight today's battle? I need to follow the presence of God. I need to know what he's saying. I don't spend time in my Bible. Hear me, dear ones. I don't spend time in this for a religious obligation. I need this because I don't know how to raise my kids. I don't know how to stay married to that man. I don't know how to believe God for finances we need for this church. I don't know how to lead you. I know I don't, but this tells me how every day. And I know that staying plugged into this is going to be able to show me what to do next. And through being in this, it's going to give me all the weapons I need to, to, fight the enemy for today. Is somebody getting something good out of this? See, here's the thing. Numbers 32, they ended up dying, delivered those two tribes, but they were never free. Let me ask you, have you grown complacent in your walk with God? Are you looking around? You're like, yeah, I'm comfortable. This is good, but inside God's stirring you for something more. See the 10 tribes that went into the promised land saw things that the other two never did. And you know what? They died with their livestock. In other words, they died with their cars and their nice houses and their little plot of land, but they never saw the victories that God had for them. And I'm here to shake your cage and to tell you that God created you so much more than to just go to a job, clock in, go through the motions. He's got a dream. He's got a purpose. He's got something greater on the inside of you, but you're gonna have to make the choice to follow his presence. See, here's the thing is that when God first delivered the Israelite people, it was so he could have relationship with them. But then the people didn't want relationship with him. They said, Moses, you go up to the mountain and you tell us what the Lord would say. In other words, we don't wanna pursue for ourselves. But the Lord said, listen, if you want the promise, you have to have your own pursuit. Because at the end of the day, friend, let me tell you, it's not what I believe about God, what Brian believes about God, what Pastor Jimmy and Nancy believe about God that's gonna save you. It's about what you believe about God. And God knew they were about to go into a battle. And he's like, you gotta have your own pursuit. So let me just ask you the question, what area of your life have you stopped following the leadership of the Holy Spirit? What area through this guardrail series that God's been stomping all over your toes and been messing you with, but you're still holding on? Because I'm just going to declare this as a church. I feel this in my spirit. There's about to be a coming day. This church, we're about to walk into everything that God promised us. And there's going to be people who stay behind. And there's going to be people that are going forward. And I'm asking you, are you going to be one of the people who go forward? Because you can't keep your junk. You can't keep your junk if you're gonna move forward, but some of us are ready to go forward. We're done, we can't stay here. We're gonna see all that God has promised. Wilderness Christians are constantly reminiscent of the old days. Constantly reminiscent about what God used to do. Constantly reminiscent about my comfort. I don't really like what they said. It's so hot in there, it's not comfortable for me. I don't wanna give. That's a wilderness Christian but promised land Christian says he's worth it all. Even if I'm uncomfortable, even if I'm giving, even if whatever he asked me to do, I'm willing to do whatever. And I believe that the church RC is a house full of promised land Christians and we're leaving behind Reuben and Gad. We love you, we'll mail you postcards, but we're moving forward to see all that God has. The next thing I wanna tell you, I could tell you so much. I love this scripture so much. The next thing is you have to be willing to stand firm. You're gonna have to be willing to stand firm. See, here's the thing I love, I love reading the Bible and I love understanding all about it. And I love like comparing texts. I love like flipping forward and seeing like, where did God do something like this before? So like I said, Moses, the first time when God delivers them, it says that when the soles of their feet touch the water, the water stood up on either side commentaries will believe and they'll tell you that Joshua, the one who's writing this, was a teenage boy when he watched that miracle happen. And the Lord let him know I'm about to deliver you, but you've never been this way before. So commentators say that the reason why the Lord told him twice to stand firm is because the priests got out there about waist deep into the water. Now the Bible says, note this in verse 15, it says that the banks of the Jordan always overflow in harvest season. If you're writing in your Bible, put a big underline there. An indicator that it's your harvest season is everything begins to go into overflow. See, it, it was already impossible on a normal day, but the Lord chose the day to deliver Joshua and 2 million people, say 2 million, 2 million people on an overflow season. So not only was it impossible, it was doubly impossible. They say that it took 10 hours for the water to recede. It was 20 miles of dry ground. That's a whole lot. Now, coming from Joshua's mind as a teenage boy, he says, God, I remember the last time you did it and it was easy. You just put your soul in the water and pfft, up went the water. But the Lord says, no, I'm a God who's always moving. I'm always changing. I'm always doing things different than the way I did it before. Come on, somebody. Sometimes Jesus healed people by spitting in their eye and other times he just prayed for them. Come on, you don't wanna be the guy that gets spat on. Amen. Amen. And so here they are. Now, can you imagine when you walk out in the water and Joshua, here they are, they've been waiting 40 years for God to deliver them. And they're expecting something awesome, something cool. And Joshua comes back with a battle plan of guys, we're just gonna go stand in the water for about 10 hours like that does not sound like a really cool battle plan, right? He's not gonna carry us up in a chariot of fire like he did Elijah. He's not gonna do something amazing. We're just gonna have to stand in the water. Now, no doubt on minute five, they thought, okay, God, we're obedient. You can go ahead and start letting the water come down. At hour three, I'm sure they were starting to think, okay, Lord, like starting to feel kind of foolish out here. It's been three hours, like where you yeah. Hour five, hour six, See, it's not what you do once that's gonna give you your breakthrough. It's what you're willing to continue to do even when you don't see the results. Come on, somebody. It's when you believe God for a healing and your symptoms don't change. It's when you believe God for your marriage and all of a sudden it seems like all hell starts breaking loose. It's when you're believing God for your children and it seems like everything gets worse. But are you willing to stand firm even when it looks like nothing's changing? That's why Paul writes later, having done all else, stand and stand there for. Because sometimes the most holy thing you can do is stand on the last thing that God told you to do. Because here's the thing, is that when you are faced with insurmountable odds, it's not about what you're doing anyways. You You can't part the Jordan. I can't make a million dollars come in for our building. Come on, but I can do one thing. I can stand. I can stand on the last thing that God told us to do. And here's the thing, because I'll be honest with you. When we had to start this church, it cost $111,000. And you know what happened? We stuck our foot into the water and it parted. When we believed God for 160,000 for us to be able to purchase the land, pay cash before our first year, you know what happened? We as a church stuck our foot in the water and you know what happened? It went up on either side. So in my mind, I said, God, you're the God of yesterday, today and forever. So the way you did it then is the way you'll do it now. And the Lord said, no, I'm gonna deliver you a different way. So he waded us out into the water May of last year. And for one year we've been standing. For one year, we've been believing God. And let me just tell you, it's not your faith in the first time of obedience. Is are you willing to be obedient on 365 day? On 750 day? On 800? Does your faith have an expiration date? Or are you willing to believe God no matter what? What promises from God have you given up on? What promises? See, the enemy can't take anything from you, but you can surrender it. Oh, come on, somebody. I wish somebody would believe God in this place. But you're gonna have to stand. Just like nobody can do your push-ups for you, nobody can start eating right to lose weight for you, you're gonna have to begin to stand in the middle of your Jordan and to begin to say, God, I'm not moving until you part this thing. I'm not gonna compromise on a single thing that you promised me. I'm gonna continue to believe. I'm gonna continue to pray. I'm gonna continue to stand. It doesn't matter what it looks like. The next thing is, we're gonna to have to remember all God has done. We're gonna to have to remember it. Now here's, here's the thing. Joshua gets a word from the Lord and the Lord tells him, I want you to take up 12 stones, signifying 12 tribes. Isn't it interesting that the Lord still remembered the two that stayed behind? Come on. There's empty chairs in this building. We're remembering the ones who stayed behind. The Lord said, I wanna remember the ones who stayed behind. And I want you to get these stones and I want you, as soon as you get to the other side, I want you to build a monument. Now I want you to see this, I want you to get this. Is somebody visual like me. Here they are, and this is not a small stone, Gary. This isn't like, oh, get a little pebble, like we're gonna skip rocks. No, this is like big stones, okay? So they stack up the 12 stones. They get to the other side of the Jordan. Them and two million people. That's a whole lot of people, y'all. And they get there. The next thing they see is Jericho on the other side. Waiting for them is another battle. They've never fought a single battle in their lives. And the Lord says this, The first thing I want you to do is I want you to set up the monument. Why? Because I want you to see your next battle through what I just brought you through. I want you to see it through the lens of your last miracle. I want you to see it through the lens of what I just did. Because here's the thing is if we're not careful, we'll have God do something amazing. And what'll happen is we get to the next place and we look and all we see is the battle and we forget everything He just did. We forget all about how he just parted the waters, how he saved your marriage, how he healed your body, that financial miracle when you thought there was no way out. He parted the Red Sea for you. And all of a sudden we have this moment where we forget. Now here's the thing is if we're not careful, our past will become bigger than our future. And what will happen is we're real good at remembering the past pain, but we're real bad about remembering the future promise and remembering everything that God has brought us through. Here's the deal is that when God delivers us the blood of Jesus, it does not give us spiritual amnesia. It gives us a life beyond our past. And here's the thing is that they had been through 40 hard years and that doesn't erase it. Let me just tell you, I went through some really hard years before I came to Christ. And this week I had to come face to face with some emotions and some things that I I thought I had gotten through and I thought everything was fine. And I get to the other side of the Jordan, I'll look back and all I'm remembering is the pain. And in that moment of my pain, I said, God, I gotta build a monument fast because if I don't build a monument right now, I'm gonna see nothing but the battle and forget the lens of all that you brought me through. That's why David, when he stood before the Goliath, he said the same way I killed the lion the same way I killed a bear is the way I'm about to kill you. What was he doing? I'm stacking a monument right now. I'm not worried about Goliath. I'm not worried about his size. Why? Because he was remembering. That's why Paul writes, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Why does he say that? He says, I'm building a monument because I'm remembering everything that God has done. Friend, let me tell you the nutrients you need for your miracle right now is hidden in your past victories. But some of you are so good at rehearsing the pain. And the Lord told me when I was writing this, the Lord said the same way that you walked into the wrong restroom, some of you parents, I need you listening to me right now in this moment. The Lord said this, he said some of the parents, all they do is talk about the pain of their past. They haven't been talking to their children about the promise. And it's the same way if I swapped a road sign, my kids would think they had arrived when they hadn't. And the Lord says, some of you, all you're doing is talking about how you don't have the money to pay the bills, how you're depressed, how our families always had cancer. So how all these things, and you're talking about the problems and you're not talking about the promise. And the Lord says, it's time for you to go home and build a monument and begin to see your future problem through your past victories. And when you begin to do that, the Lord says, watch and see what I'm about to do. Watch and see what I'm about to do. Church, let me tell you that we're about to go into the greatest season that this house has ever seen. I can't explain it. I can't tell you why, but I feel it in my spirit. We're about to see God do some amazing things. And if some of you are like, oh, they're always talking about money here at this church. Go on, stay behind, wilderness. Go on, stay behind. When I talk about buildings and I talk about campuses, I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about people. There's lands to take. There's people to see safe. There's marriages to be restored. Come on, somebody. And I'm going. And I feel in my spirit. just saying it's time the the Jordan always overflows its banks in harvest season Brian in January he came in and he's like so spiritual it's annoying I just want to spit on him sometimes and he came in and he's like babe our word for the year is expectation I was like that's the dumbest word I ever heard do you not know we've been believing God for a building for seven months And it feels like we're making no progress. And you walk in here and say, expectation. He goes, babe, I just feel it. Like God says that any day something can happen. So I just start crying, driving to work one day, Holy Ghost just speaks to me and says, Crystal, I want you to start living every day. Like today's the day. I'm like, oh man, God, today's the day. So I had this morning of like, God was there reading my Bible, probably reading Joshua (laughs) and I get a call. And they're like, "Hey, Crystal, our trailers were just broken into." This was back in January. It took almost hundred thousand dollars worth of our equipment. It was like it was like sixty thousand dollars worth of stuff. Expectation, but see, I know this: the Jordan always overflows its banks when it's harvest season. Then all of a sudden through that, going through betrayal, walking through stuff with my son, walking through stuff with my own life and my own family and all kinds of things. It feels like hell's breaking loose on every side. And all of a sudden the Lord's just like, hey, the Jordan always overflows its banks when it's harvest season. And some of you are letting the fact that it's overflow talk you out of the blessing. And I'm here to tell you that the reason why everything is overflowing, because it always overflows in a harvest season. We're going in. We're going to take all all that god has for us and i want to ask you are you going to go are you going i want to pray for us all together jesus god we declare in this place we're going to follow your presence lord what is it that the holy spirit's been dealing with us god we put our hearts on the altar right now and we say there is nothing hidden from you god We place it all before you, Lord, right now. We say that we are committed to the process that you have us in. It doesn't matter how painful it is. It doesn't matter how long we've stood. God, we choose to ask you again. We choose to stand no matter how long it takes. We're gonna see everything that you promised. And God, right now, what do we need to begin to remember that you've done? I want you just to take a moment in your heart, look inward. Holy Spirit, remind them of the financial miracles you've done for them. Remind them when they were at the end of their rope and they were crying out to you in their bedroom all alone at night, that God, in a moment you showed up. God, remind them how you restored that relationship. God, remind them that the last time they felt like their business was about to shut down, you gave them a whole year's worth of provision in a moment. Lord, right now, we just choose to remember We choose to remember what you've done. And Lord, we're going to see our future battles through the lens of our past victories. Lord, you're well able. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at Thanks and have a great week.